On today's show, we are getting to know Colby. But first, a word from today's sponsors. Andre Psyche is the freelance creator extraordinaire, someone who makes music, poetry, art, clothing, and lives to make others feel good. Search him up on any social media. It's Andre Psyche. That's P-S-Y-C-H-E. The next time you are looking to add some creative stimulation to your social media circle. Patreon.com helps creators like me earn a monthly income that will be put towards podcast expenses. Support the Getting to Know You Pod's creative endeavors through Patreon for as little as $2 a month. There are all sorts of costs that I had no fucking idea about associated with posting podcasts, not to mention the need for equipment and production. So dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know any of our guests or just want to help keep the pod going, go to our Patreon. The links in the description and your support of the Getting to Know You pod is very much appreciated. Two bucks too much? Here are three free ways to help. Get your thumbs ready. One, push the subscribe button on whatever app you're listening to the Getting to Know You pod on. Did that? Thank you. Two, friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on your social media like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go ahead, open those apps, click away if you haven't already. Thanks again. Three, go to Apple, write a review. The internet tells me this might be the most important and impactful. So thank you. Your support, dear listener, whether it's with your thumbs through our Patreon or ideally both, is greatly appreciated. And now, getting to know you. Hello. Getting to know you. Getting to know all about you. I'm going to do a terrific show today. Getting to like you. Getting to hope you like me. Because I'm good enough. Getting to know you. Putting it my way, but nicely. I'm smart enough. You are precisely and But not so much about Colby, more about the Stop Soldier Suicide 100 Mile Challenge, which I admitted I thought was completely fake at first, but is completely authentic. Colby, thanks for coming on and um, telling us about this challenge, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate you having me, Sean. Um, so it's funny. I, I'm really glad that you connected with me and with our organization. Um, wanting to have somebody on the podcast. I hope that we'll see you uh, at the 100 Mile Challenge in September. Um, so first we can talk just briefly about Stop Soldier Suicide as a nonprofit and who we are. Yeah, um, And then we'll talk about the challenges themselves because the challenges are, are really how we engage with communities across the country and just what, what, I, what I call just like everyday Americans across the country um, to help raise awareness about suicide in the military community and um, raise resources that help support our wellness center. That's sort of the gist of it. Um, but to start, just want to talk a little bit about Stop Soldier Suicide, because, you know, like you said, you saw uh, an ad on Facebook for this um, fundraising challenge coming up in September for Suicide Prevention Month. And you were like, I've never heard of these people. Um, I don't know what this is. Um, so Stop Soldier Suicide, as an organization, we're the largest nonprofit in the country focused exclusively on reducing the military suicide rate. 
Um, and so what we do basically is we provide free confidential mental health and wellness care to veterans and service members via telehealth solutions that are available in all 50 states. Hmm. So we got a team of uh, mental health professionals. They work one-on-one -on -one with clients to reduce their suicide risk and improve their overall well-being. Like that's the, that's the gist of it. And where I kind of want to start actually is with kind of the scope of the problem for your listeners. Cause a lot of people, you know, I think it's becoming more popular in public discourse that suicide is an issue that's like disproportionately impacting the military community. Hmm. Um, and you know, there's a lot of numbers, not all of them are accurate that have sort of swept like social media attention. Um, but I would wager that a lot of your listeners don't fully understand kind of the scope of the problem. And so it's important for people to realize that veterans and service members, and this is why we exist as a nonprofit. This is hundred percent why we exist. Veterans and service members are 53% more likely to die by suicide than, than their, their civilian peers. Uh, I fumbled that a little bit. I'm gonna say it again. Veterans and service members are 53% more likely to die by suicide than their civilian peers. And our goal as an organization is to reduce the military suicide rate 40% by 2030, because that will bring it in line with civilian parity, right? Reducing veteran suicide 40% doesn't bring it down to zero. It just means that we have like helped create in America where veterans and service members are at no greater risk for suicide than any other American. Can I And ask that's our goal. Oh, go ahead. No, I dude, I, I I love the goal. And I have two things just because numbers, for some reason, I really enjoy it. When you say 53% more likely, do you have like the actual numbers? So like how many suicides annually civilian? How many suicides annually military? So I don't have the civilian numbers in front of me. But for the military, um, it's a, like it, I think it's between like six thousand and sixty four hundred veterans and service members per year that die by suicide. Stop. Um, I can say so. That's a couple insane. other like no. So when we talk about a forty percent reduction, our goal being a forty percent reduction in the military suicide rate, what that means in actual numbers is that we need to save around twenty four hundred lives per year. You know, the number is like ballpark six thousand, or you know, to put it another way, it's between like 17 and 20 per day that, dying by suicide. The number that has sort of swept social media attention is 22. You see a lot of like, you know, in 22 a day, um, that, that number is not quite fully accurate. It's, it's around 20 or nearly 20 is what we often say. Um, but either way, like that's it's, splitting hairs either yeah. way. It's, it's a problem, right? And it's a problem that we've known about for a long time and that we have struggled to resolve like we've struggled over decades to make you know sweeping progress towards reducing that number and so in 2010 three u.s army combat veterans started this organization um, by just like answering a toll-free number in their apartment and over the decade it grew to be a team of now you know 70 plus um, people at our organization having a fully formed wellness center led by a clinical director. Um, you know, we have a scientific advisory council that helps steer our service model. And that's comprised of like leading thinkers in the field of suicidology and suicide prevention that come together as a council to help make sure that like, we're taking like the best research, the best um, services and uh, different types of like 
um, assessments, the best tools that exist. And we're just adapting them for telehealth to make it accessible and free for any veteran or service member from any branch, from any generation, doesn't matter what their discharge status is. If you've worn the cloth of the nation, so to speak, then you can call us and you can get access to free care, mental health and wellness care. Jesus, and that's, that's that. what we do. I, so the, when you had said 53%, that's one of those in my pessimism of like, oh, so we went from what, whatever, there's 10 and compared to like a six. You know what I'm saying? The fact that the number is in the thousands, I had no idea that it was that serious, like that prevalent across the country. Yeah. And, and oh, go ahead. No, well, I'm wondering because I, I sometimes I take long to get to my point. It's the teacher in me. Um, what I'm wondering is how much of that, and I love the fact that it's tele, and I love the fact that it's free because I've always heard the complaints about how terrible the VA system is for vets to go through and get help when they come home. And I'm not to poo-poo it, but like, is that part of it that the process can take so long to actually get to see a counselor or a therapist regularly through like the formal VA system? Are you aware of anything like that? Well, yeah, I, I want to be clear. Like we, so there's multiple, those, there's multiple elements to this. Um, hundred percent, like not here to throw any other organization yeah. under the bus that's working to solve this problem. Um, but mental health infrastructure in general mm. in the United States is, has, has not been great. Right. Yeah. And so to your point, yeah, a lot of people come through our doors who've been let down by other entities, gotcha. right? They've been let down. They've had, um, you know, there's, there's been like long wait times. Um, there's been just a lot of like processing to do a lot of paperwork or whatever, but really and truly, I think at the end of the day, what separates stop soldier suicide from some of these other um, services that are available to veterans and service members is that we operate independently of the department of defense and the VA. And so we don't have reporting requirements. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, it isn't even about whether the services are accessible or whether they're like, wait times are appropriate or whatever. A lot of it is just like veterans and service members, particularly active duty service members, they're worried about the, the career implications of getting mental health help, mm. right? They're worried about like it negatively impacting their career or negatively impacting their security clearances. And so we're able to offer services independent of some of these other larger entities. And that means that we're basically, our services are not only free, they're also truly confidential. Off the books. Right? And it's like, that's that's important to a lot of people, but also sure, like there are some people, we have heard stories of people who have raised their hands and said, like, I need help. I know I need help. And they're told to like schedule an appointment and it's 60 days out, 90 days out. Like that's, unacceptable right yeah. so we've built a a wellness center that is super responsive super agile you can call us 24 7. you're gonna get a call back within 24 hours i think right now our target time is like 15 minutes wow. like it's insane the degree to which we are trying to make sure that we're we're getting a hold of these um potential clients we're getting them connected to one of our wellness coordinators 
and we're doing our intake assessments quickly so that we can sort of assess your suicide risk, whether it's like low, moderate or high, and then we can coordinate care accordingly. Uh, what we also do too is like, we do some resource coordination and resource referral and like resource quality checks. Um, I don't wanna go off on too much of a tangent, but there's this, I'll have to find it for you, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> there's this website where you can look through um, historic archives of websites like they take like these snapshots of websites going back to like the early 2000s and someone brought it up at work and I got curious. So I started to look at Stop Soldier Suicide's website circa, I think it was like 2011 or 2012, right after we were founded. And there was a list of client testimonials and one of those client testimonials stood out to me. And this person said, you know, most suicide prevention hotlines set up shop at the edge of a cliff and they're trying to intercept people on their in their absolute worst moment mm -hmm. and this person said stop soldier suicide does their best work halfway up the mountain and i and what he what he means by that is like we're working with people who um you know maybe they don't necessarily see themselves as suicidal but they know they need some support they know they're not in a great place Maybe they got like an eviction notice. Maybe they um, are having financial troubles, legal troubles, relationship issues, right? They need a support system. And so they can connect with us. And some of what we do is, is, is just simple advocacy work. Like we're gonna work with that client. We're gonna help them process their VA housing voucher. We're gonna try to connect them to resources in their local community. We're gonna do our internal assessments, right? We're gonna, we're gonna coordinate care that fits their unique needs. And we're also gonna try to like, we don't just put a bandaid on the problem, but we'll recognize that there are certain life circumstances that are gonna, that are gonna increase your risk. Mm -hmm. And so we're gonna also try to help you like with, with whatever that is, because ultimately we wanna save lives. And we've seen it time and again, like the perfect storm of someone who's like going through a divorce doesn't have a strong family support system and is in a bad place mentally, maybe in a bad place physically, maybe they have got some like physical ailments. Um, they're dealing with maybe pre-service trauma or military sexual trauma. They're dealing with a whole host of things and we need to like holistically address that, stabilize their suicide risk, but ultimately also like improve their overall well-being. Right. And so, that's who we are and what, what we do. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's a long way of answering your question. No, like, dude, that was a beautiful way of answering yeah, the question. So and we, it's we try so... to differentiate ourselves, of course, like from other um, organizations that are also like having an eye to this problem. Um, that's a big part of what we do. Like we, we're, we're not better, we're just different. We say that all the time. Like we're not better, we're just different. Yeah. And another big way that we're different is, so we, we're so data-driven as a nonprofit and we use like innovative marketing tactics to acquire clients. So like, we're not waiting for someone to call us. We're taking everything we know about how veterans and service members spend their time and attention online, for example, or what their non-public persona is like, or whatever like the existing research around suicide prevention is telling us. Uh, we take all, like we do deep dives on clients with, with our wellness center team. We're taking all this information about our clients and our potential clients. And then we're trying to serve 
ads for our services on like Hulu, YouTube, Spotify, like we're trying to find them where they are. Um, and that also makes us different, right? We're out there actively marketing to seek um, clients so that they'll be able to find help when they need it most. Um, we're also trying to understand what do moments of crisis look like yeah. um, so that we know when we when like exactly when we should be deploying that type of um, initiative so that we're reaching people when they need help and they're reaching back out to us and we're connecting them to care. Um, that's a huge differentiator for us. Like we operate, even though we're a nonprofit, I've worked here for um, about a year and a half. Most days we feel like a tech startup, not going to lie. Really? And it's incredible because I think that's what it takes, right? Like a lot of nonprofits are hemmed in by some of the same issues that um, like government agencies are hemmed in by. And that's like a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape, a lot of processes. And we are trying to be as agile and responsive as we can because lives are at stake, right? Mm -hmm. Like lives are at stake and we might not have a lot of time to reach a person in crisis. And we operate like we're super laser focused on that. We think about that all the time and we operate accordingly and we move fast so that we can connect people to care, stabilize their suicide risk and like help them thrive in life. Dude, there's so much there. I, it reminded me. So as a teacher, I want to say, and I'm going to mess this up too. I believe there's 12 factors and I think they call them ACEs. And I don't know what the acronym stands for, but basically like if you've seen domestic violence, violence, if you've been around drug abuse, if you were homeless, if you went through a divorce, there are 12 factors. And the more factors you have, the more likely you are to be triggered by trauma or difficult situations. Yeah. So it's, those are adverse childhood experiences. And you're, you're absolutely right. So when you talk about, I'm going to pull up a page from our clinical director, Dr. Dr. Lisa Peterson. Um, <laughs> When you talk about trauma, so everyone's experienced trauma. Yeah. Like Sean, you've experienced trauma. I've experienced trauma. I think I. And anytime three. you you experience any kind of traumatic experience, it's like putting on a coat. It's like putting on another layer. And if left unaddressed over time, you've put on so many of these coats. Some of them didn't feel like a big deal at the time, but you've put on so many layers that you can't function properly. Yeah. Like you can take the best at like name an athlete at the top of their game right now anybody yeah you got to get lebron okay so you could take lebron james if you put enough like layers of coats on lebron james yeah to where he has like no mobility i might be able to beat him in a game one-on-one -on -one, <laughs> maybe but that's sort of the point right like yeah. you've you've over time you've had you've dealt with trauma over time for some, for some of our clients over a lifetime, yeah. like it isn't just like a lot of people, I think when we look at this um, suicide rate being higher in the military community, I think a lot of people often assume it's due to combat related trauma. Right. And like, sometimes it is, but it's also largely pre-service trauma, adverse childhood experiences, uh, maybe military sexual trauma. Like it's a lot of different things. Sometimes it isn't combat related at all. Yeah. I've never, been, I serve in the national guard. I've never been to combat. Yeah. Um, I'm three years into my service, but it's put a strain on my marriage. I've missed in, in three years, I've missed two wedding anniversaries and three birthdays. Right. Right. Like it puts a strain and it's hard. Like I've still had to go away for months at a time. And so it's, it's still been difficult. 
and that still creates like some strain on our relationship that you know needs to be addressed and solved right and and so for some clients it's 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 um it is a different types of trauma that might not be related to like combat exposure necessarily although for some it is certainly like i want to be sensitive to that too but um it's complicated right and you're absolutely right like aces are a big part of it and fortunately like the military and the department of defense is starting to talk a lot more about that that there are people you know we have an all-volunteer force there's people raising their hand to serve uh who have dealt with trauma their whole lives Um, and now they're entering a field that we know statistically increases the probability that they'll be you know impacted by mental health issues or you know they have a higher risk of suicide like it's important that we're able to talk about these things and that everyone's talking about these things right um because i think that's the only way we're going to solve the problem i i am so excited that you're that the company is able to when you were like hey if you're get if you have an eviction notice and maybe we can help you with the resources. You've just taken a layer of clothes off. Just the fact that that person can have a lifeline and they don't get to the point where they've slept on a street or they've slept in their car for six days and now they do want to hurt themselves and they're drinking all day. You know, because yeah. they, you get them at that moment yeah. and you're kind of untriggering or like unreleasing. I, I, I like the analogy of coach. You're taking one of those coats off and they just feel hopeful. Yeah, exactly. 100%. Like we're super scrappy as an organization in that regard, I think, because, um, yeah, like we we recognize like there are certain immediate problems that we need to help you address, and for a long, you know, we've we've changed a lot as an organization over the past, I guess, twelve years now, um, in in the scope of what we're able to offer, like from a wellness center perspective. Like I said, we started with three founders that were just answering a cell phone, like. Uh, but it, it has since grown like to to be a lot more um, like to, to to be a lot more intentional and to build a service model and to build out like, you know, different um, tools and resources and assessments and stuff, of course, with the help of uh, doctors and PhDs and very smart people on our scientific advisory council. Um, but we've built out this service model um, with a high amount of intentionality because ultimately like we're trying to zero in on um, like a, a care timeline or like a coordination of care framework that saves lives. And we're not gonna do that if we're not paying attention to all of the small factors that can come to bear on a person's life that you know, affect their mental health or affect their well-being. So it's incredibly holistic and our team, like I'm not in, I don't, I'm on the marketing team, right? I'm not client facing in my role, um, but our team that, that is doing that work, you know, that, that is carrying a client caseload. um, They are absolute heroes. Like our wellness coordinators are absolute heroes. And it's important too. like, I'm, I, 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 and I do want to make sure we talk about challenges as well, because that's a big way that people can support our, um, our mission, but the average duration of care for clients that come to us is eight and a half months. Like we're talking about long-term one-on-one care. 
to reduce and stabilize suicide risk. And 97% of our program graduates get get to that end state where they where we've reduced and stabilized their suicide risk. And so since 2010, we've worked with about 3,500 clients. Zero active clients in our care have died by suicide. Zero. Like we believe as a nonprofit that we have a service model that is working. We have a service model that is literally saving lives. And now we just need to scale because we have 2,400 lives that we need to save year over year if we're going to hit our goal to reduce military suicide to civilian parity. And we take this stuff, Sean, so seriously. Like we are so data driven. We are no one's holding us more accountable than we are holding ourselves accountable. And and we're we're laser focused on 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 basically like we would love to get to a point where we could shutter our doors and just shut down operations. Because we want to fix the problem. Put yourself out of business. You're working to put yourself out of business, even though you're a nonprofit. 100%. Yeah. We want to save lives. And it's just there's there's a good chance that you've got listeners today or listening to this right now that have been deeply and personally impacted by suicide, maybe even military suicide, because it's been a problem. Since 2001, we've lost more than 120,000 veterans and service members to suicide. And research would suggest that the average suicide affects 135 people, right? That's millions of people in the last two decades that have been affected by these untimely losses. Millions of people. And so we're, We've got a lot of, we, you know, we, and we've got other projects too, like our wellness center and providing that one-on-one -on -one care is our main line of effort, but we've got other projects too. And all of them really across the board kind of center on how do we save other families from experiencing this loss? Yeah. Did you, me, as, me as a teacher, just thinking of the kid, when you were talking about people immediately, I'm just thinking of the children and I'm seeing them in the classroom. Like I can't, I, we had a student this year whose father was shot. It was not a suicide, but it was shot. He was shot. And you're talking about a kid with a smile, a personality, an athlete, goals. He was gone for six, like we didn't see him. We could barely get him to school for one class. We let him pick his favorite class. Dude, just come to class, an eighth grader. And now he's transitioning into high school and he's lost that, like he's lost his foundation. And he lost half a year to a year of academics. And you just think about the ripple effect that that's going to have on this poor child from the loss. It's yeah. it, that those are the people that you're like, man, it's not only just saving the life, but it's saving families and it's saving communities. It's so much bigger than just saving one life to me. I'm like, it, you, you're, you don't even realize this butterfly effect stuff. You don't even realize all the people you're saving from trauma, not just the life, but the trauma that's experienced from being impacted by the loss of life. hundred percent. And, you know, there's, there's certainly, and we'll talk, I hope too, about some resources that are out there. Like, you know, there's a, a whole host of, you know, um, I want to, man, we got so much we can talk about. We could probably talk for, for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of, well, let, let me start. So we, we've got this, this um, project called black box project that I want to tell you about. Uh, but a lot of it is um, like grief support and resources for families who have been impacted by military suicide um, because, so let me talk about Black Box Project briefly, um, and then we'll talk about challenges. I'm going to try to keep us um, on, on uh, task, but uh, Black Box Project is 
one of our most recent innovations as an organization. So basically in Black Box Project, it's modeled after the black box that helps to identify the cause of an aircraft crash. Okay. Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. So Black Box Project is where we engage with families of lost survivors, particularly in the military community, well, exclusively in the military community, um, who've lost loved ones to suicide. And we engage with those families and we ask that they lend their loved ones devices, computers, tablets, phones. Um, and then we have a forensics team that uses some of the same tools that like federal law enforcement uses to extract data from those devices. Um, and then we run them through machine learning algorithms so that we can identify patterns in those digital behaviors uh, leading up to suicide. So we're trying to understand what crisis looks like. We're trying to understand the person's sort of, I guess I would call it like non-public persona. Yeah. Um, or in some ways, I, I would say maybe even just validating what some of the existing research from like psych autopsies tells us. Um, but we're, we're running this project mostly as a means to just better understand um, what crisis looks like. Um, you know, what's happening in a veteran or service member's life and what, you know, could be those final hours, days, weeks, and months so that we can just get better as an organization at saving lives. Is that, does that transfer to the marketing and advertising? So if you notice individuals leading up or spending an extra 50% on watching this type of Hulu show, then you're targeting with your ads in that way? Yeah, so, so, so Black Box Project is kind of still in its infancy. Our goal by the end of the year is to get, to engage with 100 families and get, if we can, over 100 devices so that some of those patterns we're identifying are like statistically significant, right? Yeah. Like if I look at one veteran's device um, and we extract that data and we're working with um, some engineers at Amazon Web Services and some other providers of different tools uh, that you know, mostly, like I said, federal law enforcement uses for um, forensics in this type of way. Uh, but we've we've got these partners that we work with. But like, if I'm doing that on one device, that doesn't necessarily yeah. show me a trend or a pattern. No doubt. But if I'm doing it on a hundred devices, for example, um, now I've got real patterns to work with, um, and that sort of brings brings us back to the service model a little bit, right? Like, we we what we say is like we operate on the leading edge of data insight and analysis so that we can identify the highest risk veterans and service members and provide them with the best possible care. So like decedent data that we would get from something like black box project is important, but we're also using like open source intelligence and existing research. Uh, we're using client interviews. We're using psych autopsies. Uh, we're, we're taking all of this data and you're absolutely right, Sean, like the way, one of the main ways that we action it, is in our marketing tactics so we can meet veterans and service members where they are and we can help provide them with care. So that's how we acquire about 70% of our clients is through digital marketing efforts. Um, but you're right. It's, it may be a simplified version, but you're absolutely right. Like if, if Black Box Project helps us understand certain patterns or certain, um, just what people know, Googled, man. or whatever. Yeah. And we are 100% going to action that. And we're going to make sure that we're advertising our services in places where uh, veterans and service members who are struggling are spending their time and attention. 100%. And man, I like, I, I've never thought about this, but I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of getting chills just thinking about scrolling back six months 
Because like what you were saying, meet you up in the middle of the mountain versus on the edge of the cliff. Like, man, if you can go back six months and you notice a pattern, you're like, yo, most people six months out from killing themselves have this type of behavior or search history. Let's get them there so we can prevent the next six months from happening. Like how, that's such a simple con, that's genius to be doing that, genius. It's a, it's certainly a big project. It's something that um, we're very excited about as an organization. Um, I'll have to make sure that we, I, I get you some, I don't know if you're able to put links, if you're able to have any links or anything like that yeah. as a part of your Absolutely. podcast description. But it will. I'll have to I'll... get a link so that people can check out Black Box Project like as one of our lines of effort as an organization because it's really cool. We're really excited about it. Uh, but ultimately, like it just feeds right back, like you were saying, into the into sort of the service model of, you know, how do we save lives and how do we save lives quickly? Uh, because, you know, if, if we don't act, then we're going to be on pace to lose, you know, another 50,000 ish veterans over this next eight years. Yeah, right. And like that's unac- that's wholly unacceptable to us. Um, you know, our, our goal is just the opposite, right? We want to save lives. We want to reduce the military suicide rate. Um, and if this is a, a, an avenue that helps us do that better, then we're going to go all in on it. So how um, how are families receiving when you ask? Are they receptive and willing to give up the items or you haven't had enough experience at this point to know? Well, yeah, it depends. So as we started talking about this, I think, because we were talking about, you know, that, that kid in your class that was dealing with trauma, like a big part of it is um, trying to understand where uh, these families are in their grief process yeah. and make sure that we're super supportive of that and connecting them to uh, resources to help them with uh, their healing journey. Right. But it kind of just depends. So our person that's really critical in the project working directly with families is herself a suicide loss survivor. So mm-hmm. she lost her husband who was a first sergeant in the army. Um, I think they'd been married like almost 20 years lost her husband to suicide. Um, and so she's able to approach this work with such a high level of empathy and support because she has literally been there and she knows how disorienting that is. She knows how hard it is. Um, she's been there. She's got two boys. They've been there. Right. So she's the one that's really interfacing with families and it just kind of depends. Some families are ready immediately. Other families, um, are not sure. Uh, it just kind of depends, but how we sort of frame it is we want people to be able to find purpose in that really, really, really dark moment to find purpose and help save lives and help prevent other families from experiencing this same loss. And when you frame it that way, I think a lot of people, um, get there eventually. If, if you're within like six months of your loss, We've sort of identified that as a best practice that maybe it's not the best time to ask. Um, but at the same time, we've certainly had people um, whose loss was recent who have like, I'm, I'm all in, I want to send in my, my loved one's devices. Um, but we've had others who we know it takes time and we just need to make sure that they understand like you don't have to go on this healing journey alone. Uh, we're here for you. We support you. We'll connect you to like any of our partner organizations or any resources that we can to help you grieve and to help you heal. And then when you're ready and when the time is right, um, we want to talk to you about this project and how we might be able to, um, you know, save lives, right? Like 
use this project and use your loved one's devices as a way to help us learn and to help us um, do the work that we're doing even better. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, overall, I think there's a lot of um, reception to it. Um, but certainly we've had families say no. They're like, no, you know, I'm not interested. Um, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I can't, you know, it's it's so individualized. There's unique. no standard. Yeah, it's so unique. It's it's really hard to say um, exactly why. But for those that 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 are um, interested in, you know, maybe trying to help find purpose in this loss and, you know, help make a difference and help save lives, then for, you know, for many, it's the it's the perfect fit. And we return the devices, right? It's not like we keep the devices, like we extract the data and then we send them back. And Sometimes we send them back unlocked. So now they can like look through their loved one's photos or whatever, right? Like in many cases, it's a win-win, but uh, ultimately like we're not like compromising the device. We're not like scrubbing it. We're not breaking it or anything. They're just lending it to us for however long the forensics process takes. And then we're sending it back. And eventually, hopefully, we'll get to a point where we're able to um, have enough of these devices and have such um, statistically significant data and identify such solid patterns that, yeah, we're able to be super targeted in our marketing efforts and connect people to care. I think that's that's kind of the heart behind it. It reminds me of um, the CTE um, epidemic with uh, football players. And when they were hurting themselves, killing themselves, and then the family's donating the body and they're discovering all this trauma within the brain. And now, but how do you backlog that to prevent? And for this to be able to start building data of just habits, I, I think would be so powerful. And you had said 70% of the company's referrals come from the digital marketing. Yeah, that's how we get 70% of our clients yeah. um, is through those efforts, right? So, so you want to make that efficient. Say again? You definitely want to make that efficient and super targeted because if that's yeah, what's yeah, being effective sure. to get people to you. For sure. Um, so that I think, so this I think brings us hopefully naturally to um, how you found out about us and that is an ad on Facebook to participate in our Facebook challenge in September. Suicide Prevention Month's coming up. It's our biggest month as an organization. Um, it's really important. And we recognize too, I, I want to recognize too, like I should have done this at, earlier in, in the episode. Like it, we recognize that Suicide Prevention Month can also be very difficult for some families who've been personally impacted by suicide because mm -hmm. suddenly it's um, talked about by like so many different um, organizations and it's sort of capturing hopefully like national attention and um, people are really talking about it. So I do want to be sensitive that these are topics that are sometimes difficult for, for people to hear about or dive into. Um, and, you know, like the, the black box um, support person that I was, I was talking about, Jennifer, like it's a hard month for her, for sure. Uh, but for us, it's one of those months where we just, we need to get out in front of it and we need to really be shouting from the rooftops and raising awareness because it's a time when um, a lot of other people are, a lot of people in the military, the DOD, the VA, like a lot of people are talking about suicide in the month of September every year. Um, so we just want to make sure that we're front and center on that. Um, and so that's how you found out about us, right? This Facebook challenge community, um, to be clear, like we run them, we run these Facebook challenges all year. Uh, it just so happens that the September challenge 
being Suicide Prevention Month is one of our biggest um, efforts. Um, but as far as challenges go, so we started running these Facebook challenges in 2020. And during the pandemic, it was perfect because a lot of people were, um, you know, at home, working from home, a little bit isolated from their traditional like communities. Um, you know, churches are shut down. People aren't going into work. Like a lot of businesses are starting to like shut down. And uh, there was just this moment of um, still wanting to engage with potential supporters of ours and give them like sort of a meaningful community to be a part of while also, you know, continuing to be philanthropic and, and to, to have like an outlet and things like that. So we started these Facebook challenges where basically we challenge, um, a, a, a cohort of people to take on some sort of a physical challenge while also starting a fundraiser for stop soldier suicide. Mm -hmm. Um, the Facebook challenges coming up in September are a hundred mile challenge, which if I'm not mistaken, that's the one that you saw, Sean, was the hundred mile yeah, challenge. I'm gonna go in for it, man. I've hit a hundred miles once when I um, was training for a marathon during the pandemic, but typically I'm 60 to 50 to 65 miles a month. So I, I'm really excited. And you guys had a great chart about like, hey, three miles a day, or if you do four miles for six days, or you could do long runs on this. And I started thinking like, I love the purpose of I have a goal and it always makes me feel good to accomplish a goal. So yes, long winded way to be like, I love the fact that it's a hundred mile challenge because not only do I feel like I get to support something that's definitely worthwhile, but I get to challenge myself and I hopefully get to feel accomplished and go through some difficult things, which gives me resilience. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, 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 it's by design. So <laughs> the, the, the one month fitness challenges that we've developed. And so this is this in, non in the nonprofit world, this is called peer to peer fundraising. So we ask people to start a fundraiser. And then they're taking that fundraiser to their local communities, to their friends, family, social media networks, right? And they're asking those people to donate to stop soldier suicide while also like having some skin in the game and, and pushing themselves physically and mentally throughout the month. So for us as an organization, and these types of challenges are becoming pretty popular in the nonprofit space. There's a lot of other perfectly worthy missions and nonprofits that do similar things. Uh, for us, it is, uh, there's a little, there's well for us one we want them to be physically challenging so like you said the 100 mile challenge would mean that you need to at a minimum average 3.3 miles per day but of course like you need to take care of yourself and rest so it's wise to have some off days so that means that you're going to have days where you're probably pushing maybe five or six miles if you can um ultimately like we want people we want these challenges to be accessible so you know some people walk the challenges some people choose other activity types. Like we're not exclude, like ex, ex, we don't exclude anyone. Yeah. Uh, right. But uh, for September, we've got the hundred mile challenge and we also have a 30 mile dog walk challenge called never walk alone. Oh. So that one's great because you get to see a lot of pictures of dogs, uh, which like boosts morale significantly. Um, that it's our first time doing something like that. So we've got our never walk alone challenge for the dog lovers out there Love where that. you're basically just your challenge is to, walk with your dog for 30 miles throughout the month. Um, and then same, same principle applies. We hope that you'll start a fundraiser for stop soldier suicide. Um, and ultimately also like elevate the conversation around military suicide in your community. Um, and it's these challenges that really help us not only support our wellness center operations, 
but also just raise awareness and and make sure that um, we're talking about it. Make sure that we're supporting the veterans and service members in our lives, right? Like if nothing else, take on the challenge and and engage in this community of people in the Facebook group um, of veterans and uh, families of veterans and service members and active duty service members and even a lot of lost survivors. There are a lot of people mm -hmm. that join our challenge communities who have lost a loved one to suicide that served in the military, right? Um, so it's a great, and of course, then you've got like your runners or your cyclists or your swimmers. Um, so you're also engaging with people who like are probably gonna, like for some of the like elite runners in these groups, they're probably gonna run a hundred miles in a month anyways. Dude, Cause they're like training up for a marathon or whatever. Or an ultra. So it's just like, it's business as usual, but an opportunity to engage with a really great community of people and do this for a good cause. Um, so that's, that's really the heart behind it. Um, this year for 2022, our challenge, our challenge communities, our Facebook challenges are actually uh, sponsored by USAA. We landed a, a pretty big sponsor in them for the year. And um, that, that just really helps us reach more people across the country to join these challenge communities and kind of join the fight to reduce military suicide. Um, so it's really excited. We're grateful to have their support. And um, yeah, we run them all year long. Every month we'll have some sort of challenge. This year we tested a 25 mile swim challenge in June that was really successful. Um, we've got a 50 mile ruck challenge. Uh, ruck, rucking for those who may not know is basically just um, walking with a weighted pack of some sort. I know, Sean, you're he familiar with heavy, booking. No, heavy book bag. I did a Go Ruck challenge for um, like a bachelor party. Um, are you familiar? How far did you ruck? Um, it was the like, Go Ruck light because the dudes got a little um, intimidated. So it wasn't like a set distance. Basically, you just did a bunch of silly things with this ruck. You're like, you run out in the ocean and you swim to a buoy and then you pretend like you're drowning and your friend has to save you and drag you through sand or you jog for a mile and then you do PT with it, or you like get on the playground and you're carrying an American flag and you're also carrying a 15 pound weight and you have to pass that along. And it was basically like a four hour boot camp to just make you suffer with a heavy backpack on. <laughs> Go run. That sounds way harder than running three miles a day. You're gonna, yeah. you're gonna take on the September challenge so easily. Dude, I, I'm, I'm geeked for the, um, the challenge. But yeah, if you, if you haven't heard of Go Rock, it's a really cool program. I'm not sure what they, do with the funds. I do know that they try to support soldiers, but yeah, it was a really fun experience to just get outside. Do anytime you can get outside and just physically challenge yourself, you're going to feel so much better afterwards. Yeah. That's the thing we've noticed with our, so we, we had a, a big ruck challenge in May and then we've got another ruck challenge coming up in November. And what I've noticed sort of anecdotally, like I don't have any, any hard numbers to back it up, but it seems like more veterans and service members are a part of the ruck groups that we offer. And that's especially great because so many of them have said, like, this is just good for my mental health. Like, it's yeah. good for me to get outside, to push myself physically. Um, unfortunately, because sort of the scope of the problem of military suicide has been so pervasive over the last couple of decades, a lot of them um, are participating with a particular person in mind that they've lost to suicide. That's the saddest um, thing. I'm going you know, through the Facebook page, reading the stories of this is why I'm doing this because I've lost blank. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is. It's heartbreaking, but like, it's a good, it's a good reminder of like why we're here as an organization. It's a good reminder that this mission is so critical and so important. And the best thing that we could do 
is to rally together as a very large community. So most of these challenges are national. So you're engaging with people across the country um, that, that we're elevating this conversation and hopefully raising resources that are gonna help us hit that goal of saving 2,400 lives per year. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a really powerful sort of part of our program um, because it gives us the broadest amount of reach um, everybody who signs up and starts a fundraiser as a part of their challenge experience gets a free t-shirt that we ship them, a free SSS t-shirt. Um, that honestly and, is the only reason I considered it was the gear. I was like, you free know, t-shirt, you're, I'm in. you're not the only one. You're not the only one. We have, <laughs> we have a really good opt-in percentage, like relative to some other organizations because we have this sort of incentive. Um, but it's, it's good because yeah. we want people to like throw their shirt on you know, log their miles and engage with their local community. Like, get like engage with like. Let's take the hundred mile challenge in September. Like in a perfect world, you got someone who's committed to trying to hit the hundred mile challenge mark. They've started a fundraiser, they've got their shirt, and they're like going above and beyond. They're like reaching out to running clubs in their community. They're reaching out to local businesses in their community. Like they're really taking the work of fundraising and rallying their local community seriously. And a t-shirt goes a long way to help you do that, right? Heck like yeah. you've got Stop Soldier Suicide, the, the the brand sort of like on your chest or on your back and you're out there just running. And and people may ask like, hey, it, like like what's what's SSS? And it's like, oh, it's Stop Soldier Suicide. I'm taking on this challenge for this nonprofit that helps to reduce the military suicide rate. And there you've got this great conversation and maybe even engaged with a new supporter um, because that's what it's going to take. Like for us to meet this goal of a 40% reduction in military suicide, it takes a lot of resources, right? And to get people willing to say like, you know what, I wanna help even in a small way, every $30 that we raise is one hour of care for a veteran or service member. Wow. And it's, it's like, so that's thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of care that we're able to offer for free to anybody, you know, to anybody uh, who's a veteran or service member because of like people like you, Sean, who are like, you know what, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run 100 miles, and you know, try to raise 100, 200 bucks. Like it's so impactful at scale that it's it's you know one of our biggest projects as an organization is just hosting these challenges every month throughout the country. Um, and like you said, like it's physically rewarding. It, you will have to push yourself to hit hit 100 miles in a month, and at the end of it, like you personally. Even if you don't even start a fundraiser, you personally feel like you um, did something. And if you're logging some of your runs in that T-shirt, you probably did. You may not even know it, but you you may have, you know, ran across in the park a veteran who is struggling, who sees the shirt, who reaches out on our website, who fills out a get help form, and just by throwing on that shirt and running through your local park you've saved a life. Like, I can't stress that enough. Like it's hard to measure that, yeah. but that's really important. And so we welcome anybody and everybody, all ability groups. Like I've seen people complete hundred mile challenges in a wheelchair because they're a disabled vet. Please like join us. Like, and, and if, if running's not your jam in October, we've got a push up challenge. Okay. Try to crank out 65 push ups a day, start a fundraiser, get your shirt, like challenge yourself physically and mentally while also keeping an eye on the mission and helping us do what we do best. And that's save lives. 
I was going to ask about the metrics of dollars, like what is a good donation or what is the impact? And I love the fact that, of course, because you're so data driven, $30 an hour of care, 10 people throw $3 down on a fundraiser. You just gave a vet an hour to feel better about themselves and prevent them hurting or killing themselves. Like 100%. Yeah. And that's what makes nonprofit like peer to peer fundraising so powerful is that it's, it's smaller impacts at scale. Like the average donation I think is $35. Um, but at scale, we, we can generate, you know, millions of dollars in revenue for our nonprofit. And that helps us provide, you know, work with, well, last year it was over a thousand clients and provided like over 17,000 hours of care. Like it's really critical, I think, for for us to be able to offer free care to any veteran or service member that needs it. I think you know every branch, every generation. That's that's good and all, but I think there's a lot of uh, places that do that. But regardless of discharge status, is a big one. Yeah. Like there are some people who you know whatever the factors are that came to play, who may not even be eligible anymore to seek care at the VA. Like, so it's important to us that we're able to be accessible to any veteran or service member, regardless of, of whether or not you've gone through the work of like getting whatever VA disability benefits you need or whatever the case may be, or maybe you don't live close to a VA clinic, whatever it is, whatever barriers there are, our hope is that we're able to tear down every single barrier that exists, including stigma that's prohibiting veterans and service members from getting the mental health and wellness care that they need and frankly, that they deserve. Can I be a little bit of a skeptic with, and I'm feeling like you're gonna have a great answer for this because when I think of nonprofits and I think of money, I think of like waste. And I'm like, sure, you guys are gonna raise millions of dollars and whoever's in charge has like a $3 million salary and you've got the most beautiful beachfront offices everywhere. And can you just talk a little bit about you gave great numbers about the hours provided and a thousand clients getting free. Is there like some sort of ratio or are there other ways to talk about how the money is used? Nuts and bolts ish, not wasted, I guess. Cause that would be my, my fear is like, sure. I donate $30, but only four of it actually goes towards the vets. And the other one goes towards like these weird infrastructure things or like self-indulgent waste. Yeah, 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 sure. So I would say, one um not caveat to that but we are among one, among the most so i've worked in the nonprofit space for over a decade stop soldier suicide is one of the most transparent organizations that i've ever worked with not just in finances but also in impact mm-hmm. right so like we're we're going to be very honest about not only how we're spending the money but also we're going to be very honest about the impact of those dollars. How many clients are we serving? How many hours of care does that translate to? How many lives saved do we estimate that to be right? Things like that. Uh, we're incredibly transparent. We've got a, a platinum seal of transparency from um, GuideStar. I think they're rebranding um, to be called maybe Candid or something like that, but it's basically like an independent um, entity that um, makes sure that nonprofits are being, um, transparent, right? And so you go through different steps with that particular organization um, to qualify at certain tiers of 
nonprofit transparency? Like, are you sharing your, um, like, you know, 990 tax forms and are you sharing your financial statements and are you sharing your impact and mission, vision, goals, et cetera. And so we do have a really high transparency there. And I know that probably doesn't satisfy the question. I, I don't have, like, I don't, I don't think I'm qualified to say like X amount of every dollar raised goes to this, but I do know that we are, uh, it's important to us. It's important to our CEO, who's an air force veteran that we're good stewards of these resources. Um, and we're so focused on saving lives that I can say the vast majority of the money that we raised goes into scaling our wellness center, right? Like it goes into wellness center operations so that we can save more lives. I can say that with a ton of confidence and I know, and I get it. Like I get the skepticism. I really do. Um, and I get that initial reaction of like, is this real or is this a scam? Because unfortunately there are a lot of nonprofits out there with, um, you know, not great fiscal practices or not great impact. Right. Like, I think that bothers me more than anything. Sure. Maybe, maybe a CEO of some other nonprofit, um, makes more money than the general public, like thinks that they should or whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, how impactful is that organization is what I would care about most. And I would put our impact and, and, and how we're able to save lives and provide veterans and service members with the mental health and wellness care they need. I would put our impact, uh, toe to toe with any other veteran service, veteran serving organization out there, hands down. Um, and I think, you know, maybe you haven't heard of us yet, but I think over the next few years, a lot of people are going to have heard of Stop Soldier Suicide um, as sort of like a leading organization in this fight um, because of just the work that I see happening that that's sort of behind the scenes now. Like in April, our CEO um, spoke to the Senate, testified before the Senate Armed Services Committee, so testified to offer recommendations to the Department of Defense on how to better solve this problem based on our service model, based on our data, based on what we're seeing. He's sitting before the Senate Armed Services Committee and he's like, I'm the CEO of this nonprofit and this is the steps that I think the Department of Defense should take to help solve this problem, right? We've got some pretty heavy hitters that are partners with us. Like uh, I mentioned USAA, um, Harry's, I don't know if you shop at Target, but Harry's um, is, is a big supporter of ours. Uh, Facebook's a huge supporter of ours. We're able to do a lot of work with Facebook now meta. Um, you know, there's a lot of these and I, and I, you know, I'm not going to probably name them all. So like, I apologize. If it's always tough, man. Once you start naming like one or two, it's like someone from one of our partner organizations is listening. is like, what the heck? Yeah, um, so I, I can't do. name them all, but we've got a lot of people who are, um, who have faith in our service model mm-hmm. and who want to invest in what we're doing. And I think that also speaks volumes, right? Like, uh, the people that are part of these large companies that are in the world of like corporate social responsibility, they're not going to throw their money at an organization that's fiscally irresponsible or that's not really doing anything to solve the problem that they say they're solving. Right. Gotcha. And so when you start to get some of those players to the table who are like really excited to partner with us and invest in us, um, and these aren't $30 investments, right? Like that's when we're talking to everyday American folks who are like, you know, I want to help. I want to do my small part. Uh, these are people making big investments in our work and in our services, um, and in things like black box project, uh, because they believe in us. I think that speaks volumes too, but I would encourage you though, and anyone listening 
that's wanting to take on a challenge or maybe start a fundraiser, I would encourage them to like read our impact reports, uh, read our financial reports. Um, and like, I'm not shy about people in the Facebook groups who are like, well, how does this money actually help veterans? Like I, I, I'm not shy about responding to, to those people uh, because I know it's, it's um, I know we're doing the right thing, right? As an organization. Um, and I think too, one thing that bothers me about the nonprofit space is sometimes people, a lot of the time people, when they donate to a nonprofit, they want that money to go to the soup that feeds the hungry man, right? But the fact of the matter is, is like, there are administrative costs. Yeah, uh, We do have costs as a wellness center. Um, we do want to uh, put money into fundraising efforts, right? Um, you could donate 30, and, and this is what I'm, I'm not saying this is where a person's $30 goes, but like, right. if it's me, Colby, donating to a nonprofit, I can give $30 for an hour of care, or I can give $30 that helps build out a program that generates millions of dollars over the next five years. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like sometimes that money uh, rightfully, I think needs to be used um, to sustain operations or to help expand marketing efforts, for example, Amen. like that's, that's the one thing in the nonprofit space that people always um, get frustrated with. I think is like, well, we, you know, we don't, we don't want, we want, we want this money to go to programs only. And it's like, yeah, I, I, I get that. I understand that. And most of this money will, however, comma, we also want to uh, invest in infrastructure that's going to help us scale over the next decade. Right. And so um, I can't offer like a specific, like 97 cents yeah. on the dollar or anything like that, but I can say confidently uh, to, to anybody listening and you yourself and anyone in these challenge groups, like, it is a good investment in our ability to save lives, 100%. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll shout that from the from the rooftops. And just to talk about impact, since I'm harping on it so much, um, give you some some like impact numbers real quick. I mentioned a couple. I'll probably say them again. But um, since this is what we often say as an organization, uh, as a veteran-serving organization. We don't just help veterans, we save lives. There's a lot of VSOs out there that are offering like, offering like kind of like general help. Our focus is on saving lives and working with clients at moderate to high risk of suicide. Like that's our, that's our plan 100%. Like we wanna work with the most high risk clients. Um, so since 2010, we've served uh, more than 3,500 veterans and service members. The average duration of care for our clients is eight and a half months. To date, zero active clients have died by suicide. 97% of our program graduates experienced reduced and stable suicide risk. Uh, last year, we delivered over 17,000 hours of evidence-based care. Um, you know, our clients on average, the 90-day increase in our clients' personal well-being index, which includes like things that we track like standard of living, relationships, future security, sense of community, the average increase in their personal well-being index in the first 90 days of care with us is plus 72%. And then the last thing I want to say on impact is last year, we estimate that we saved 147 lives, which is the equivalent of an entire army infantry company, right? Like, and, and we don't, we don't come to that number lightly. You know, we're not trying to like pad the stats in any way. Um, but we would say based on sort of our own, um, internal assessments and research and working with our scientific advisory council that we can say confidently and assuredly last year we saved 147 lives. And of course, 
the goal and the plan is that we're going to scale that, which is going to require more manpower in the wellness center for sure. But we're going to scale that so that we can save 2,400 lives every year and bring that military suicide rate down to civilian parity. I would, it's, I, don't know, I get tongue tied because when I hear so many things, the, um, so where I want to go with the increase, is that self-reported or is that, is there some other metric when you're talking about um, them being happier? Do they come in and show like a paycheck? Do they show you your bank statements or is it just self-reported? I feel like I'm finally a part of this community. I feel like yeah. I have more money. Yeah, I don't, I don't know much about some of the assessments that our wellness center team runs, to be honest. Gotcha. I, I wish I did. I probably need to make that like a personal uh, goal of mine to dig into some of those like risk assessments and, um, and different, excuse me, different things that we sort of help measure, like, Understandable. you know, how do we, yeah, how do we understand whether someone's at low, moderate or high risk for suicide? I know we do that work. I just don't know exactly yeah. how it works. Uh, I think the personal well-being index is the same way. It's, probably self-reported but i don't want to i don't want to yeah. say that um it's it's probably like you know working with the scientific advisory council and building out some sort of a assessment system that helps us kind of pinpoint like yeah probably just just like a survey survey questions or a conversation yeah, with like the circle client. the face that you feel it's like the pain index what do you feel yeah, on yeah, the pain index right now what's your face look like when you go to the hospital that's what yeah, i'm it's, picturing it's probably something like that um i i don't know um and for sure. That's like, okay. I was just, it, I'm curious. Exactly, but it's a good question though. I, I think, um, but if you're talking to, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you, but if you're talking about like mental health and if it is self-reported and someone is genuinely feeling better, that's kind of a great metric. <laughs> you don't yeah, want like an sure. outside observer to be like, no, you should feel better if the person internally still feels like crap. But if it's self-reported that I've received these services for eight months, eight and a half months on average, and wow, I feel like I have more money. I feel a sense of community. I'm like, that's an awesome metric. More so than, oh, he takes walks, check a box. He is more self-report. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Where someone's judging their happiness versus the self-report of acknowledging I'm better. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Based on, based on um, yeah, work I've done with the wellness center team, I'm sure that it's a, a, a very like sort of thoughtful um, yeah process that they go through, but also as a company, we go through, um, every other week we'll do, we call them VPDs, but we'll, we'll do a deep dive on a client case with someone from our wellness center team. And they'll sort of walk us through, like, here's how they came to us. Here are some of the, the, uh, biopsychosocial issues that they've dealt with. Here's, um, like our care coordination and how that's unfolded. And, um, you know, some of the obstacles we've hit and like where this person is and, some of the wins that they've had and um, it's, it's really exciting. And so I can say like some of it probably is very much like um, kind of anecdotal, like you'll have a, we'll, we'll do a deep dive on a client who, um, you know, reconnected finally with a brother an estranged brother or something that they hadn't spoken with in years. And now they're um, you know, they have a relationship, they talk every week. And for that person, like that has had a, a pronounced impact on their well being. Right. right. They feel connected to their family again or whatever. Um, and, and I don't know, like the specific metric that they track that with. But when we're doing these uh, deep dives on client cases, which for me on the marketing team is always great because I'm not client facing. So it's always it's always enjoyable for me to get that glimpse at like um, the work that's being done, the progress that's being made, um, how we're helping. And, and, and uh, you know, we 
can often think in terms of numbers and scale and data and things like that. But these are real people, right? These are real people uh, like you and me um, living life, getting by, working jobs or whatever, like dealing with all that life throws at us, having good days, having bad days. Like these are real people. And uh, every time we, we, we do that work with our wellness center, it's a good reminder of that like these are just, just regular folks who, yeah. who need a little bit of help, who need, to, who need someone to talk to. Maybe they need a, a therapy option. Uh, maybe they need help with substance use. Like connect them to all that. But at the end of the day, just like let us help you carry some of that. Let us help you unpack some of that. Yeah. Some people come to us, I think, not understanding their own suicidality. Um, and needing someone who's like a clinician to walk through that with them and be like, yeah, like, you know, walk through this very um, evidence-based thoughtful process to help them understand like, yeah, like you're at risk and we want to help reduce and stabilize that risk. And we're going to work with you to do that for as long as it takes. It's kind of how that goes. So that, that was the other thing I was wondering, the eight and a half months, and I know it's on average and I know it's hard to speak in broad terms about very specific cases, but would like typically, if I'm in your program for eight and a half months, is it like a, I'm meeting weekly with the same individual and then I have this metric of, I wanna feel happy. So then when I hit that, I'm like dismissed. Because I was curious when you said graduated from the program, I don't know if those are two separate things or if there's a standard practice of care formula. Is that making sense? No, that, that makes sense. So it so it's it's probably outside of my area of expertise to speak to this in depth but um basically so you you've got um sort of a general like care coordination model that we follow um to answer your question like we we do try to have a lot of continuity of care so generally speaking yes you're going to work with the same wellness coordinator throughout the duration of your care with us um, and kind of depending on the risk level will help drive like how often those, um, client meetings are happening. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say that like every client is meeting on a weekly basis with their wellness coordinator necessarily. It certainly depends on, on risk. Like if you're high risk, like with acute and chronic suicide symptoms, then your trajectory of care is going to look different. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, um, you know, in general, the service model is is going to start with like an initial intake and suicide risk screen, if needed, like a more a more in depth assessment, um, continuing behavioral assessments, um, you know, additional clinical therapies, resourcing um, and resource advocacy and resource quality checks for your local community if you need if you need something like that, um, and, and other different therapy options, you know, some trauma informed care, but then. What we've added to the program model over the past couple of years is life coaching. So when you reach a point where you're like not at acute or chronic risk for suicide, it mo- it moves into I think maybe a more general like touch point of life coaching um, and just continuing to work with that person before they reach what would be considered a program graduate sort of state. And I honestly don't know exactly what feeds into those decisions. Um, but I, but I know that um, we're we're here. So like something that came up, and it, this is really timely uh, that we're talking now. Not only because Suicide Prevention Month is next month, but also because it's 
uh, one year removed from the fall of Afghanistan. So when Afghanistan fell to the Taliban a year ago, we had um, intake requests for help increase dramatically, like something like 388%, uh, like five times what was normal. We had people requesting help, many of whom had served in, in Afghanistan and, and felt, um, you know, just, they were just in a bad place, um, you know, struggling with their own service, struggling with, um, you know, whatever, what, I don't want to, you know, put too fine a point on it because everybody's different, but we saw requests for help increase a lot. Um, but then what we also saw was something like 30 clients reopened care with us. Mm. People who had graduated out of our program called us and was like, I got to talk to my wellness coordinator. This is really hard for me. And, you know, to, 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 to anybody who served in uh, the post 9-11 generation or even Vietnam, we had a lot of Vietnam veterans who reached out because the fall of Afghanistan was triggering because it, re it reminded them of the fall of Saigon in the 70s. What I would say to anyone who has served in a, in a sort of a moment like what we saw last year is that your service matters, right? Mm -hmm. We're here if you need us, but your service still matters and we can't control diplomatic outcomes. But when we had that moment last year, I, I say all this because even if you've graduated from our program, right, certain life circumstances can present themselves. In this case, it was like a national news headline, but certain life circumstances can present themselves. And you may realize like, I want to talk to my wellness coordinator again, or I want to reach back out to stop soldier suicide. Um, and we're always here, right? Whether you're a new client, former client, existing client, like we are here and we're going to, we're going to stick with you for however long it takes. Um, and I think that's important for people to understand. Um, and we're also, I think, working on ways in which we can sort of systematize uh, reaching out to program graduates on a periodic basis, um, or maybe even doing like peer support uh, options where you'll have like other veterans that, that have like, they check in with you or whatever. Yeah. Once you're a program grad, I think there's some things like that that are in the works for us. Uh, because it's important. Like we don't want people to ever feel like, um, like they're just done with stop soldier suicide. Uh, but of course, like I've said before, our focus is on those at the highest risk for suicide. Um, and so like, if you come to us and you're a low risk client and we don't assess your risk for suicide being very high, then your care coordination is going to be very different and probably a little shorter, like maybe two to four months or something like that. Um, so it's going to always be catered to whatever the person needs to include reaching back out to us, even if you're, if you, even if you like graduated a couple years ago or whatever the case is. Gotcha. I had not thought about the um, withdrawal in the fall of Afghanistan triggering no, not only the people who served and felt like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, why was I over there? Why did I give up eight months, 10 months, 18 months? from my family and be separated and all these cold nights and mountains and put my life at risk for what, what was the point? And then yeah. that being applied to the previous generation of Vietnam vets who were like, really going through the jungle and like, this is what we're going to do with my effort. That's something I do not, I don't think I consider that enough. Yeah. We, I th it was, it was, uh, we were all hands on deck as an organization this time last year because you know, where I stand on it is like, we care mostly about veterans and service members, period, full stop. And how are they doing? 
and how is this news impacting them or impacting their families? Unfortunately, um, you know, the a lot of people want to focus on like the polarity of an issue or they want to cast blame. But at the end of the day, like if this is creating demand for mental health services, then we need to respond. And part of that response is making sure that those veterans and service members understand that their service still matters. Yeah. We can't control, like I said, we can't control diplomatic outcomes, but you volunteered to serve and you served honorably and that's important and that matters. And so what, what we were saying last year, and we say this a lot now, kind of it, it sort of caught hold as like a, a, a way that we sort of market ourselves as an organization is, you know, when, when our nation called, they answered. Mm. And now it's our turn to answer the call. Now it's our turn to serve you and make sure you have the mental health and wellness care that you need. Um, but that was big for us last year. And like you're saying, like a lot of people, I don't think, understood unless if they're in a role like ours where we're where we're client facing working with veterans i don't think they 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 fully took into account what this meant for our veteran community i think there was a lot of talk about like who's to blame there's a lot of talk about like it being a failed withdrawal or whatever like there was just so much talk about it a lot of it was very political but at the end of the day like what matters to me what matters to our team is what's the implication of this for our veterans our brothers and sisters like our founders served in afghanistan part of our founding story is they deploy to afghanistan for however many months they don't lose a single person from their battalion or company or whatever only to come home and have one of those soldiers die by suicide and then two weeks later it happens again and then a few weeks later it happens again and, and and just feeling like we got to do something about it right and so for us like it's it's something that we're talking about now at the one year anniversary mark but last year it was it was all hands on deck like we need to rapidly um sort of reinforce our wellness center operations so that we can handle this influx of requests for care and we need to keep our eyes and ears and hearts and minds open to making sure that we're addressing the veteran or service member and how they feel and how this is stirring up all sorts of emotions, anger, fear, um, you know, like you said, wondering if like, what was the point? Like, those are very human, very normal responses to something like that. Like I lost a buddy in Afghanistan. What was the point of that? Like, look at where we are today and that's difficult, right? But here we are and it's like, we have to be responsive and we have to make ourselves available and we have to be able to sort of handle this influx of requests for help. And we got to be able to speak, um, like, uh, to, to be able to speak to it and to, to make sure they understand, like, you matter, your story matters, your service matters. It still matters. You were asked to do a job, you did the job, and we're proud that you did that. Um, I think taking that and then expanding it out a little more broadly, we need to, as a country, think very hard about the mental health ramifications of being at war for 20 years. And I think there's like, we've, we've partnered with some active duty command teams, um, to help them with, you know, the issue of military suicide on their local installations. Um, for some places like behavioral health support isn't where it needs to be 
at the active duty installation. Um, and so, you know, we've been tagged in to help support uh, those efforts. And yeah, it's just, it's one of those things like we are going to need to be responsive to an entire generation of military personnel that were engaged in America's longest war. Like a year ago, we withdrew from Afghanistan and that marked the end of our longest war. And now the fight is making sure that veterans and service members have the mental health and wellness care that they need and, and putting the infrastructure and systems in place to do that. And we're really proud of our service model and the ways in which we're doing that, of course. Uh, but we recognize we're not the only ones. Um, and, and it's important, I think, that we collectively, as a very broad community of citizens, um, understand that this is a population of people that need like mental health and wellness care. And we just we just want to bring our best to the fight every day and make sure that they get it. And we think that we're we think we're one of the best out there, to be quite honest with you. Before we were recording, I was telling you about a, a, a captain, I believe, was the highest rank he obtained. And he was like um, an intern for a, like a two star general or something like it, it. Amazing story, Jason Wood. He called himself a cowboy. And when you had said being at war for 20 years, this is a guy leading convoys through IED explosions, through gunfire, and he's 22. So yeah. the mental, what does that do to your brain that's still developing that you're on that adrenaline rush? And then all of a sudden you're cutting the grass on a Saturday, making soccer dates, making play dates. And he struggled with that, just coping with the adrenaline loss and the thrill. And it made him unhappy. He gained a ton of weight. It affected his relationships. And then I think of not only the, I, I guess that's where I start thinking about is that brain development. And some people might not even realize why they're eating so much, why they're yeah. drinking so much. Yeah, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, I don't have an answer to that question necessarily because it's it's not my area of expertise. Yeah. But to that, I would say, I, I watched a TED talk recently of, of a war correspondent who was embedded with a unit in Afghanistan. And his question he was posing to the audience was why do people miss war? Like, why do guys who served in Afghanistan miss it? Why do they miss combat, for example? And I think the best thing that we can do as a society is show up and offer our support to the veteran and service member community um, to, to check in on them, to make sure they're okay, to ask if they're okay, if they're really okay and to really go above and beyond to show the veteran and service member community that we have their back. Because where this guy landed was in that scenario when you're downrange, you know that guy to your left and that guy to your right or that female to your right, those people that are there with you that are part of your unit, they have your back. There is a, he called it a brotherhood, but there is a, a high, high level of um, just camaraderie and and um just support that you know you can default to like you know it doesn't matter like you just know these people have my back these people will do anything for me and i'll do anything for them i'll put my life on the line for them so you've got this um this just love that's sort of the backdrop of that combat experience and then you come back into society and you really don't know like if this person walking down the street or this person that works at, at your company, if they 
if they have that same level yeah. of like unconditional like care and support and love for you as a person yeah. like you don't know like the corporate world can be like kind of grimy at times you know people are trying to climb the ladder or whatever like you just don't know in your civilian job that everybody i look to at my left and right unequivocally no questions asked has my back for sure yeah and that's what they miss according to this uh, i can't remember the name of the of the um correspondent but that's sort of where he landed on this and i think the implication for us for you for people like you and i or for people who are listening is how do we then in turn help our veterans and service members sort of feel that high level of support and care and i'm not talking about i'm not talking about like being able to park in the front row at lowe's i'm talking about like and that's not a knock on lowe's yeah. but i'm talking about like showing up for them and listening and and asking if they're okay and just like are you good because yeah. I'm here for you. And we've got guys who have been a part of our, uh, our, our challenge communities that are veterans themselves, who I'm, who I'm now friends with, who are doing that work of like showing up, like they're showing up, you know, like I'll talk to him and he's like, Hey, I'm in a, I'm in a bad place. Um, uh, I'm on my way back. I just drove three hours to spend the night with a buddy of mine. Cause he called me and he needed somebody to talk to. So I packed a bag and I drove three hours and I spent the night with him and I stayed up all night. Now I'm tired. And I'm late for work and uh, I just kind of needed somebody to talk to on the drive. So he's showing up in a very real way for somebody that needs him. And like, we all need to find it within ourselves to be able to do that work. And then in turn, I'm showing up for him, right? Cause he's on this drive back and he's struggling because he's like, that was really, really, really hard on me. And so it's like, let's talk, you know, do you need to talk to somebody? Do you need to connect with somebody who's a, who's a, who's a Navy vet? Who's a more of a peer than I am? Who can who can talk with you sure all right let's get you connected you know what i'm saying like that i think is the best answer to you know what, what you're describing is like i don't know what it does i don't know what that type of exposure does like to, to or, or trauma does to the brain or your well-being but i do know that losing that amount of community um is probably one of the hardest parts and we um, as a society and as citizens and as friends and as family, like we need to be that community now and we need to stop at absolutely nothing to make sure that, um, our, uh, veterans and service members aren't just good, like from a mental health perspective, but like wellness, like we want them to thrive. We want them to get well. We want them to live free. We want them to, um, to, to just Highly functional, come back and lead, just, man, come like, back and thrive. lead. Yeah life you know and so that's where we're at um and that's why you know to bring it full circle before we close like that's why something like these facebook challenges can be so powerful um you'll see it in the group i'm sure you just got a, a group of people that are that are there and they're just so supportive and encouraging um, not just to the veterans like you might have people who are like overcoming an injury who haven't ran in five years and and they're struggling to get up every day and run and you just got people that are like, I got your back. Like you, you got it, man. Like, Dude. um, that type of true community care and support, I think will go a long way. Um, tear down that stigma, get veterans and service members to a place where they've got really strong networks around them, friends, family, um, co colleagues, coworkers, they've got a really strong support system. And then when the day comes where they may need, um, more clinical care, 
maybe a therapy option, something like that. That's when it's like, hey, stop soldier suicide. You should give them a call. Can and I I know we schedule an hour. We're at an hour and a half. You're right. Like if um if we had like an entire day, we could easily go four hours. Right. I'm curious. This will be the last question because I wonder if this matters. Referrals. When you talk about that community of support, so can I, if I think a friend of mine is having issues, can I contact you all to reach out to that person, or is that a broach? Do I have to have my friend? reach out to you to try to get services? Or would that be like bad practice on me? Now all of a sudden I'm making my friend feel terrible because I'm like referring them for suicide help. And he's like, dude, why don't you just ask me? Yeah, so that's a good question. I appreciate that. And that reminds me too, that I need to also close by sharing with your listeners like uh, ways they can help or get involved. So yes, so on our website, stopsoldersuicide.org, you can, uh, fill out a help request form, um, either for yourself or for a friend or family member. So there is the option to fill out a help request form for the friend or family member. Um, and I'm not sure exactly how it functions on the back end, but I do believe we then um, actively reach out to that person on your behalf. Um, I, so yes, that, the, that's, that's, that that's the answer true. to your question. You can absolutely like do a referral for somebody. Uh, but of course, we also want... Um, people to um a big thing you can do is just to encourage that person and talk to that person and help that person understand like it's not weak to ask for help like it's okay we got to tear down some of that stigma and just be like you know i really i really think it'd be great if you'd reach out to a wellness coordinator and the more you know about what that service looks like the better like you know you're just gonna you're connect with a you're gonna connect with a, war, a wellness coordinator many of them are veterans themselves um and um you know they're just gonna talk uh, you know, do some assessments, figure out what you need and, and, and get into sort of our cycle of care so that we can work with you holistically and make sure that whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you need, that we're a resource for you. We're helping you get better. Um, uh, but yeah, so I, I'd say both and, you know, do both, like talk to those people, check in, like this will, this should be its own little timestamp. <laughs> people, I want people to check in with the veterans and service members in their life. Call them and you doesn't matter what you talk about. Just show up, just call them. You can talk about anything. Talk about what you had for dinner last night or what you're watching on Netflix, but just call them, just check in with them and just keep showing up and just keep calling them and checking in. Like with my unit that I serve with now, particularly our leadership, my NCO, like we touch base all the time. Hey man, how you doing? How's your week? How, you, how are things going? We talk all the time because we just, we, we just got to show up for each other. Like that, that's that level of camaraderie. So the charge for your listeners is if you have any veterans or service members in your life, like call them, show up regularly, talk to them, check in with them, ask how they're doing, ask if they're really okay. Um, and if you ever have any uh, reason to think like maybe they could use some additional help, then just throw the name out there. Hey, maybe you should get in touch with uh, Stop Soldier Suicide. Uh, and, and this is a, a little late to say this, but we also have a sort of a, I guess I would call like a sub brand called Roger because a lot of people we've, we've realized that having suicide in the name is uh, sometimes a barrier to people getting help because maybe they don't see themselves as suicidal or they don't want their spouse to know that they're talking to a clinician at a place called stop soldier suicide. So we developed uh, the same service model, but branded a little differently called Roger. Um, that's 
like supposed to be, I guess, you know, not supposed to be, it, it is like a, a, a similar service model of care that uh, maybe feels a little bit less invasive, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, that feels a little bit more accessible, just a modern like mental health ally. Um, so check that out as well. Go Roger.org. Um, same organization, same wellness center, same everything just branded differently so that that person might feel a little bit more, uh, warm to the idea of getting help as opposed to calling an organization called stop soldier suicide. Um, so keep that in the back of your mind, go roger.org. Um, I'm going to send you a bunch of links after we hop off, Sean, so that you can do with them what you will. But um, the last thing, if I can close with this, is ways to help. Um, And that's that's the biggest one I want your listeners to take away is to just show up for the veterans and service members in your life. But if you go to our website, stopsoldiersuicide.org, obviously you can make a donation. um, But also if you go to the top nav, get involved there's a lot of different ways that you can get involved with us. There you'll see that we offer our Facebook challenges that you can participate in. Um, You can start a DIY fundraiser on your own that's separate from the Facebook challenge community space, but very similar. You're just sort of starting and owning your own fundraiser. Um, There's uh, uh, we have a, a monthly recurring revenue platform called the battalion. So you could basically subscribe to give to stop soldier suicide every month. Um, and that would make you a battalion member. And there's some sort of like perks and resources associated with that. Most nonprofits do this type of thing. Um, so the battalion is our um, sort of continued giving program. Uh, there's just a lot of ways uh, you can stream. So we're getting into live streaming recently. So you can, uh, for anybody out there who's a gamer who like streams on Twitch or whatever, you can stream for Stop Soldier Suicide and uh, raise money as a part of your streaming efforts. Uh, if you're in the gaming community, um, stopsoldersuicide.org, click the Get Involved tab. There's lots of ways that you can get involved with us. Um, and then, of course, if you need help, uh, if you're a veteran or service member or a family member of a veteran or service member and you need help, you can call us. Um, you can fill out our Get Help form online. Uh, please do that. Like, please, please do that. Um, we're here. Uh, you're going to get a response back, uh, and 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 we're going to work with you. Like I said, for as long as it takes. And uh, yeah, those are the main ways main ways to get involved. And Sean, I hope that you enjoy your challenge experience. That's yeah. I'm excited to see you in the group. I'm excited to share this uh, podcast episode in the group as well. Yeah, no, dude, thank you so much, Colby, for um, taking so much time and um, just being so knowledgeable. I can't get over how freaking smart stop soldier suicide is as a company like like it just seems like there's so many very very smart decisions being made out there to save lives which is awesome i love that when smart people put their powers to good use like that it's amazing i appreciate that yeah i can't stress this enough like we have an all-star team of people that are out here um doing this work and we move fast and we're growing rapidly and we are laser focused like we are going to reduce the military suicide rate. The goal is 40% by 2030. Either way you cut it, like we're going to make significant inroads to helping to reduce the military suicide rate and solve this problem. It's the only thing that we care about. We, we, we live for this. Um, you know, you've served, I serve now, many of the people on our team have served, like 
like I said, we've got someone on the team who's a lost survivor herself. Like we have a lot of skin in the game, a lot of military spouses. Like we have so much skin in this game. Like it matters to us. We, I don't want this problem to show up on my doorstep because I lose someone on my team at my unit. Right. I don't want this. I don't want that to happen. So here I am, like, we're just putting in the work and we're trying to save lives. And you're absolutely right. Like we've got a team and a, an evidence-based service model that I think is going to um, really, really, really be uh, significant in solving the issue. And I hope your listeners are excited about this particular mission. And I hope that they're eager to learn more about us and get involved because it's going to take a lot of us to come together as a community, a lot of collective action to come together in order to really solve this. Love it, man. Colby, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for your service. And um, enjoy the rest of your day, man. Thanks, Sean. You do the same. Excited to hear the episode. Uh, I'll send you some links. Awesome. Thanks to Andre Psyche for supporting the Getting to Know You pod. Search up Andre Psyche on social media. Give him a follow just for the fuck of it. Dear listeners, if you've enjoyed getting to know today's guest or just want to support this upstart podcast, go to our Patreon. For as little as $2 a month, your donation will help with all the costs associated with producing the Getting to Know You pod. Don't forget the three free ways to support the pod. One, subscribe to the Getting to Know You pod. Two, Friend and follow the Getting to Know You pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Three, go to Apple, write a review. And finally, if you or someone you know would like to become a sponsor of or advertise on the Getting to Know You pod, we would love to partner with you. We have a wide-ranging global audience that would like to get to know more about your brand or business. If you're interested, just message us. See you.